Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Friday, November the 13th. Oh, Friday the 13th. That's ominous. <laughs> Tom Tilly with you here. Jan Fran with you there. Hello. How many times have you picked up your phone today for no good reason? Tell us the truth. <laughs> I've been awake for maybe an hour and I reckon I've picked it up about 10 times. You're in double figures. <laughs> I'm in double figures. <laughs> Hasn't even been an hour. Well, distraction is one of the biggest issues of our time. On a personal level, there are global problems. We'll probably talk about those today as well. But we're going to help you on today's briefing to become a little bit more indistractable. Whether it's too much news, too much booze, too much food, too much football, too much Facebook, any of these distractions, they all have the same common cause, which is a desire to escape emotional discomfort. Yeah, understanding why we're distracted is such a key part of it. Yeah, I'm going to be speaking to the author of a pretty good book called Indistractable. That's coming up in just a little bit. All right, let's hit the news. A special investigator will be appointed to investigate and to potentially prosecute Australian soldiers for alleged war crimes. This follows a four-year independent inquiry into the conduct of our special forces in Afghanistan between 2005 and 2016. Ten veterans are said to be facing allegations, including five who are still serving. A redacted summary of the inquiry's findings will be released next week. Prime Minister Scott Morrison says Australians need to prepare themselves difficult and disturbing news. This is going to be very difficult for Australians. It's going to be very difficult for our serving community and our veterans community. Uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be difficult for all of us. Defence Minister Linda Reynolds says an independent panel will then ensure that cultural changes in the force take place. Nothing will be out of bounds for this inquiry. There are many lessons, no doubt, to be learnt at many levels. And so this inquiry, this panel, uh, will be absolutely looking at all of them. And reduced carbon emissions from the COVID shutdown haven't done much to help the fight against climate change. Yeah, that is the news in today's 2020 State of the Climate report. The CSIRO's Dr Jackie Brown says the brief pause in emissions isn't much in the overall scheme of things. It's a bit like you've been unhealthy for 10 years, you decide to go on a diet for one day, you jump on the scales the next morning and expect to see a change. She also said that 2019, our hottest year on record so far, will feel normal to the next generation. We think about 2019 as being a really hot year, but 10, 20 years from now, 2019 won't be unusual. Yeah, while the Bureau's Dr Carl Braganza has again confirmed that we're in for less rain, more drought and more heat. We're seeing an increase in the frequency of large-scale heat waves. So heat waves are arriving earlier in spring. Um, they're becoming more frequent through that summer period and they're actually becoming hotter. We're seeing a longer fire season, uh, more fire danger days in spring and autumn. Yeah, and reduced rainfall throughout winter. So a lot of these effects that we've been warned about are already happening, mm. um, including the increase in average temperature. I'm not sure if you knew this, but... The temperature in Australia has already increased by 1.4 degrees on average. Since records began in 1910. Yeah, and most of that 1.4 degree increase has happened in the last 60 years. I mean, for the most part, this, the stuff in this report is not particularly new. I think we knew, you know, we know climate change is happening and the adverse effects that it can have, but it'll be interesting to see, I think, how we tackled climate change. We're not known for being cohesive politically in the last decade when it comes to this issue. And we're already seeing a lot of issues in the Labor Party as well. 
specifically over how the Labor Party is tackling climate change. Yeah, but in the in the corporate space, there's been some interesting moves. I mean, we mostly focus on the politics of so the federal politics. Yeah, but, policy, yeah. Um, this week, Woolworths, for example, committed to using 100% renewable energy for their operations um, by 2025, yeah. within the next five years. And a lot of our big super funds are divesting from um, fossil fuel investments. Um, this week, the biggest super fund in Australia, Australian Super, um, dumped their holding in Whitehaven Coal because they're working towards a net zero emissions target by 2050. Yeah. And some of the other big super funds are doing that too. So, yeah, it, there's all the different pieces of the puzzle and different ways we can work towards reducing our impact on, on the climate. So The momentum is there, yeah. isn't it? I think, you know, it's probably being pushed by Joe Biden a little bit, dare I say. He's, you know, wanting to get back into Paris. He's wanting zero net emissions by 2050. There's momentum nationally and internationally, I think. More options if you are planning a Christmas trip with WA's hard border finally coming down at midnight tonight. Yeah, all states and territories will be able to come and go without having to go into quarantine, except it's, if you're from New South Wales or yeah, Victoria. There was a little caveat there. Uh, big if, caveat. <laughs> b- big caveat. Yeah, you're right. Big caveat. If you're heading uh, west from the east, you'll need to get what's called a G2G pass, which is a mobile app that you use to actually get into the state. The WA Police Commissioner Chris Dawson is threatening some tough action for anyone caught lying. If people want to try and, let's call it, game the system, they're committing a criminal offence and they're liable to a very heavy fine or they're liable to go to jail. Tough talk. Man, WA has <laughs> gone... I mean, WA has gone very hard on borders. The Premier over the past few months has been very popular, partly because of that policy, but Victoria has had no deaths all cases for 13 days. New South Wales has had no community transmission for five days. You know, these two states are doing quite well. And maybe I'm just spruiking it because I want to get over to WA. It's a beautiful state. Not good enough, apparently. It's not I good really imagine that right. police commissioner really waving, wagging his finger when he, <laughs> when he said that. You know, gave that- us that warning. I felt like a naughty boy just <laughs> listening to it. I'm not even trying to go to WA. I don't even want to come. <laughs> you know, there has been some recent polling, actually, that, that shows that West Australians... If that's what we can, that's what I can call them. Um, I think that they they're in support of, of the border relaxing to some extent. So you know, things are looking up. All right, it's time to solve Jan's um, distraction <laughs> issues. <laughs> In today's briefing, we're going deep on a topic that is relevant to anyone alive in the digital age, which is you, dear listener, distraction. Yeah, so today I've decided to take Tom up on a bit of a challenge, um, which I think you set for me, Tom, probably because you were a bit sick of hearing me complain about how distracted I am, which I do all the time. Well, I know the the internet is a great thing for you in many ways, but I know that it, it sort of wears you down as well, and part of the problem is distraction, and we all struggle with this. We're, yep. we're like guinea pigs with this technology. Totally. So the challenge that was set, right, was to become... Indistractable. Indistractable. And it comes because mm. you read a book mm. called Indistractable. Yeah, a really amazing book that offers deep insights about why we get distracted, which gives you a way better idea of how to deal with it. So it was just a very gentle way of just saying, shut up. Read this book. Stop being so distracted. Because I'm so bad. Like I will check my. I check my phone maybe a hundred times a day. Yeah. Like I actually have trouble watching a film in its entirety. There are times when I like have to Wikipedia what happens in the film because I just feel like I cannot be in the moment. Right. So is it you or the technology? 
See, I think it's tech. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. So that's from uh, The Social Dilemma, which I watched a few weeks back. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, of course. It's um, Everyone's been talking about it and it just really highlights kind of what we're up against with big technology, these hugely intelligent, powerful algorithms versus the, the hopeless, you know, frailties of the human mind. Yeah. One of the people in that doco is a guy called Tristan Harris. Um, he used to be an engineer at Google and I followed him pretty closely for a while. I once heard him describe his phone like this. My phone is a slot machine. Every time I check my phone, I'm playing the slot machine to see what am I going to get. When I heard that, I thought, oh my God, I am addicted to my phone in the way that a gambler might be addicted to a slot machine. And Sad, that is, isn't it? It's sad and it's scary, but also I thought, oh, then it's not my fault. Like, that's why I'm distracted all the time because I've been made addicted to this stuff by the tech companies, right? They design this product. So it's almost out of my control a little bit. And then I was complaining about that (laughs) to you very early in the morning, as I do. And you were like, just read the book that I told you to read. Which you've actually done. Which I have done. And not only did I read the book, but I went one step further And I actually called the guy who wrote it, and this is how it went down. Hi, how are you? I'm so good. I'm really hoping that you can help me with my massive distraction issues. (laughs) I'll try my best. This is Nir Eyal. He's a behavioural scientist and former marketing lecturer at Stanford University. He's written a number of books on technology and distraction, including the book that Tom kept recommending, indistractable, which one has to ask. Did you just make that word up? I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the beauty of making up a word is that you can define it any way you want. So uh, maybe it's worth talking about what that even means. So yeah, for becoming sure. indistractable doesn't mean you never get distracted. That's impossible. It doesn't mean you never get distracted. It means you strive to be the kind of person who does what they say they're going to do. Nia's book is about how to control your attention and choose your life. And if that sounds like a self-help book, that is because, yeah, it kind of is. And the first thing that Nir wants you to know is that distraction is much, much bigger than just technology. Uh, Our technology is just one source of distraction, but there are many, many other ways that we can go off track and do things we later regret. Right. So me thinking that my distractedness is because I am addicted to my phone like a gambler is addicted to a slot machine, not entirely true. The best place to understand what distraction is, is to understand what distraction is not. So what is the opposite of distraction? Most people will tell you that the opposite of distraction is focus, but that's not exactly true. The opposite of distraction is not focus. If you actually look at the origin of the word, the opposite of distraction is traction. That both words come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull, and they both end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction, by definition, is any action that pulls you towards what you said you're going to do, things that are aligned with your values and help you become the kind of person you want to become. Now, the opposite of traction, of course, is distraction. Distraction is any action that pulls you away from what you plan to do, something that is not aligned with your values, something that pulls you further away from becoming the person you want to become. 
So traction, by definition, pulls you closer. Distraction pulls you away. And why am I being pulled away from things that I want to do or things that align with my values? Shouldn't I just want to do them and feel good about that? Ah, so this is an ancient mystery that, in fact, Plato 2,500 years ago asked the very same question that you just asked. What can I say? Great minds think alike. Nia says that to a certain degree, we are hardwired to be distracted and that actually we have two types of triggers. The first is called an external trigger. An external trigger tends to be the usual suspects, the pings, the dings, the rings, anything in our outside environment that leads us towards either traction, something we plan to do, or a distraction. And these external triggers tend to get uh, most of the blame, right? These are the usual suspects because people will say, oh, you know, I, I meant to concentrate on a project, I meant to be with my kids, but you know, my phone rang and then I got distracted. That's actually just an, a source of an external trigger. And believe it or not, that is not the leading cause of distraction. The leading cause of distraction is what is going on inside of us. These are called internal triggers. Internal triggers are uncomfortable emotional states that we seek to escape from. Boredom, loneliness, fatigue, uncertainty, stress, anxiety, these uncomfortable sensations that we want to escape from with distraction. Because fundamentally, procrastination and distraction is not a character flaw. There's nothing wrong with you per se. It's simply that we haven't learned the skills to deal with discomfort in a healthy way that leads us towards traction rather than distraction. And by the way, this doesn't just qualify for for, uh, tech triggers. It's not just about uh, distractions that come from our technology, whether it's too much news, too much booze, too much food, too much football, too much Facebook, any of these distractions, they all have the same common cause, which is a desire to escape emotional discomfort. So what to do? Remember how I told you Indistractable is sort of a self-help book? Well, it has what every self-respecting self-help book has, a four-step plan. So the first step is to master those internal triggers, to understand what is that internal discomfort that we are looking to escape from. And there's only two solutions for what to do with it. We can either fix the source of the discomfort, figure out where it's coming from and act upon that. And that should be a signal to tell us, hey, something needs to change or where we can't change the source of discomfort, we need to learn tactics to cope with them in a healthier manner. The next step is to make time for traction. You see, one of the the things that we all need to realize is that we cannot call something a distraction unless we know what it distracted us from. Most people do not keep a calendar. We have to start planning out how we want to spend our time because if you don't plan your day, somebody is gonna plan it for you your boss, your kids, the media, somebody wants your time. And if you don't decide in advance how you will spend that time and live it according to your values, somebody else has a vested interest to take that time away from you. It takes 15 minutes a week to sit down and look at your calendar, use a technique that's called time boxing, which is essentially planning out what you're going to do and when you're going to do it so that for the first time in your life, you will know what is traction, anything you plan to do. Mm -hmm. Anything that is not that is distraction. And so this isn't just about productivity, by the way. This isn't just about working all day long. No, no, no. I want you to plan time for social media. I want you to put in your calendar video games or going on a walk or meditation or prayer or whatever it is that's important to you. Do it, but do it on your schedule, not somebody else's, certainly not the tech companies. The time you plan to waste is not wasted time. Love it. What's step number three? 
hack back the external triggers. So there is no doubt that every media company seeks to hack your attention, just like a computer hacker would hack into a bank account to gain unauthorized access. For sure, media companies want your attention because they sell it to advertisers. But that doesn't mean we're powerless because we can hack back. We have more power than they do. How do we do that? Simple things like changing your notification settings, making a few adjustments on how you use your technology. That's kindergarten stuff. Very easy for anyone to do. It takes 15 minutes. Anyone can do it. Uh, we should do that before we complain that they're hijacking our brain. Let's, let's take some of those simple steps. You know, what about meetings? How many of us spend so much time distracted in these pointless meetings? Emails. Or how many of us are working from home and we're getting constant pings and dings like the one that you just heard? So we can hack back those external triggers by being thoughtful about about those and taking steps today again so they don't distract us tomorrow. One of the biggest struggles that I hear a lot about quite a bit these days is children, right? (laughs) That for many of us working from home during the pandemic, when we work from home and we are trying to focus, what happens when our little one, you know, we love them, but they can also be a source of distraction. So what do we do about that? How can we hack back those external triggers? So there are ways that we can actually interrupt the interruptions to make sure that we don't go off track. Okay. Step number four. Step number four is to prevent distractions with pacts. So pacts are what we call a pre-commitment device. It's where we decide in advance what we're going to do when we're likely to get tempted by a distraction. So there's Ironically, all kinds of tools and technologies that we can use, you know, we have on, on, on uh, desktop, we can use self-control, we can use all kinds of these, these uh, various apps and services, most of them are absolutely free, to, as a last line of defense, the firewall against distraction, after we've used the other three steps, this is the final last resort. When we use these steps in concert, this is how we become indistractable. So there it is, Jan, you've been on a bit of a journey here. Do you feel like it's helped? Um, I do feel like it's helped. I feel like I'm a little bit more focused on the stuff that I want to do and a little bit more focused on just putting time aside for those things that I thought were distractions, but they're sort of just part of life. If you put time aside for them, they're not a distraction. They're the thing that you are doing. So I'm a little bit more conscious in my choices. I don't know how long that's going to last. I'll probably be back here complaining to you tomorrow. And also, I'm not prepared to let the tech companies off the hook so easily. I still think they have a lot to answer for. All right, Jan, that is it for another wonderful week on The Briefing. Our sponsor is ComBank, who are all about positivity and the can-do attitude. So we're going to send you into the weekend with our can-do moment of the week. Yeah, this one is about a Sydney pensioner and a stolen scooter. So 82-year-old Laurie Adams, um, he's partially deaf, he struggles with emphysema and heart problems. Um, He was having a nap last week when someone snatched his disability scooter. How messed up is that? I know. I really hate when things like that happen. However, this is good news. Yes. So on Sunday, the police launched a public appeal to track it down. And by Wednesday, after a massive outpouring of community support from across the country, um, so this is people offering to send scooters from other parts of Australia and people also dobbing in the thief, um, they arrested the guy who took it, and they got it back. Yeah, and police said, you know, that it was a very fine example of the community coming together to assist the police in this investigation. And Laurie... Very you know, stoked. He was stoked. How can I thank somebody who, who's, who's got part of my body back, you know? And I, I don't know what I do, what I can do now, but I'm sorry, but I get emotional. I can't help it. Laurie. Laurie. It's all good now. 
yeah, everything's okay. Yeah, it turns out the person that um, stole it also had mobility issues, the person who stole the scooter, and Laurie does not want to see him punished. But they are facing court. But they are facing court. <laughs> amazing story. All right, thank you, Jan. Have an amazing weekend. Likewise. Catch and you, you too. next week. Yeah, if you're enjoying the briefing, don't forget to um, post a little Insta story of where you're enjoying it from. Tag your mates, spread the word. We'll catch you soon. A Podcast One production.